Welcome into another week of the burnout. He is Peter Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network. I am Ryan Brown. Thank you for joining us. And it is always fun to talk SEC football with my man, Peter Burns. What is up, Burnsy? How are you this week? Well, I was. We were talking about it right before we started. I'm like, the, the sports media gods have given us so many gifts, um, despite having a pretty crappy slate of games early this season. Like, there hasn't been, like, I don't know. I feel like there was always, like, really marquee big-time matchups early in the season. And while there were only a few of them, they gave us a, a boatload to talk about. And then now you see just the chaos. I never would have yeah. thought that I'd be breaking down um, South Florida Bulls and what it means to the uh, to the SEC and the greatest coach of the history of the game. So, uh, yeah, I'm fired up for today. You would think we would learn like every year. And I'm as guilty as anyone of this of talking about how bad a week is. That's almost the, yeah. always the week that delivers. And it was still a fun weekend in spite of the fact that there were n- no real good top 25 matchups. The game seemed to lack a lot of intrigue. I mean, mm-hmm. there there was weird stuff happening everywhere in college football. Yeah, and I'm sure that we're all anticipating week four because they have some fantastic matchups, and it'll be complete dud, right? I so, know. like, I'm, I'm, I'm good for that. But, yeah, yeah. I mean – Listen, it's it's amazing. We did a segment on our show on SEC this morning on on um, on SEC Network and SiriusXM that was talking about like what the hell do we know now that we didn't know through the first couple of weeks of the season, right? And I mean, we zigged and zagged so many different ways of what we thought teams were going to be over at SEC Media Days. Hell, from what we thought teams were or were not going to be in Week One, Brownie, to where they're at, you know, at the end of Week Three. So I, I just love kind of the chaos, and I think there's as much parity in college football, not only in the SEC, but just top to bottom, as we've seen since hell, since I've been in been in sports media. Well, we'll start with that storyline with LSU, the burnout presented by MyBookie.ag, code next round. When you sign up at MyBookie.ag, get that sign-on bonus up to $200 with any uh, deposit of $50 or more. MyBookie.ag, code next round. That is MyBookie.ag, code next round. When you sign up, bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. LSU goes to Starkville. Some had said, hey, this could be a tough spot for LSU playing at Mississippi State. They were 2-0. Zach Arnett's team uh, had played fairly well in the first two weeks. They were running the ball consistently. One of the best rushing attacks. Weird flip, but one of the best rushing attacks in the SEC. It was never a game. State was not in that game from the jump. LSU dominated. Um, This was the LSU team that I think a lot of people thought they were going to see this year, Mernsey. Yeah, and this is why I, I had said on this show last week that despite how bad LSU looked in that second half against FSU, I felt better about LSU through two weeks in this season than I did back in 2022. Um, because I saw in 2022 how the season got uh, progressively better, about how Dim Brock understood how to use Jaden Daniels a little bit more and how House um, you know, learned his defense a little bit better. And so it, it played out. Right. And I was with you. The first, you know, your first thoughts about Mississippi State is that's a tough place to play. The cowbells ringing. It's 11 a.m. Um, you know, the crazy storyline about Brian Kelly blaring uh, music in the pregame breakfast and yelling at people and then having to stay an hour away from Starkville. And they stop at a car dealership to stretch oh, and do some. run. I mean, it was like total like Friday night lights <laughs> type stuff. And yet it worked. I mean, it was everything that they wanted to have happen in Starkville that didn't happen when they had that 11 a.m. kickoff in Baton Rouge against Tennessee. Remember, they came out sleepwalking in that game, and Tennessee just absolutely crushed them at home. Um, it was it was demoralizing. I mean, like, I started thinking about it. It wasn't LSU versus Oklahoma in the semifinal game where Joe Burrow threw for, like, nine touchdowns in the first quarter. But that might have been the single – 
best half of football that I've seen LSU play since I want to say 2007, the opener against Virginia Tech, where they just blitzed the hell out of every single um, you know quarterback that they had. They were dominant on defense. Offensively, they were rolling. And so to me, you know, the sky is the future. You know, sky is the is the limit right now for for LSU. Well, what was it the old what was it the old saying? The uh those roof is the ceiling or the, the roof ceiling is the ceiling. Roof? Yeah, it was uh, Roy Williams or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Anything yeah. is possible or you know, all of yeah. those uh, those those conflated uh storylines or whatever. Obviously, we're gonna get to Georgia later. You would have to factor them into this discussion mm-hmm. though, but we'll get to them more in depth later. I mean, can you make an argument right now? LSU is the best team in the Southeastern Conference. Don't put that, don't put that um, you know, on me, Ricky Bobby, whatever the hell that saying was, right? Like, because <laughs> I don't want to go that far. In fact, John Harris, uh, who I respect uh, as a football mind, had had Andre Ware on his podcast and was asking the question going, hey, I know what happened against FSU, but could you make the argument that LSU was the best team, not just in the SEC, but in college football? I was like, bro, we like, well, I'm not going, I'm, you know, I don't need that evil on me, Ricky Bobby, not this early, because I don't want to tempt the college football gods, but they got the weapons, right? And that was the biggest difference maker this week is we knew Daniels and Malik neighbors were, were great weapons, but they finally clicked. So that was important. But I think the biggest part of it was allowing Harold Perkins to get back into the position of being comfortable and just, Hey, see ball, go get ball. Stop thinking. Just Just be a disruptor. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Just raised hell. And I think that kind of gave some juice to the defense, which, gave juice to LSU's offense and you really felt like you were more the aggressor rather than kind of defending like I thought they were at least week one versus FSU. Better receiver, Luther Burden or Malik Neighbors? I I love Neighbors. I mean, he had two catches in that game that, you know, Doring was with me in studio and he says, watch the late hands. And I go, what do you mean late hands? And he goes, a wide receiver runs a route and instead of going, hey, I'm here, I'm here right from the get go. He doesn't run with his hands up until last second and the defender doesn't know where the ball is going to be. So he loved that stuff. But man, Luther Burden is, I mean, he's a cheat code right now, you know, and and I love the fact that how Missouri used him. Um, And so I, Luther Burden was everything that I thought he would be as a five-star guy for Missouri, and they're now starting to use him that way. The seven catches was monstrous in that K-State game. But, you know, it was crazy about Malik Neighbors because, remember, Neighbors was a Mississippi State commit. Mm -hmm. And there's a story that was over on The Advocate saying about the morning, you know, that he was going to commit. He was in between Mississippi State and LSU. And he goes into his house and his mom has all of her Mississippi State clothes laid out. Like, it's going to be perfect. She's wearing that. My son's going to state. And he tells mom, he goes, mom, don't put that outfit on. He ultimately ended up flipping out to LSU. And we saw him just raise hell down on Starkville on Saturday. Well, he, was, he, was, he was phenomenal in that game. But, you know, I know the late hands, he's able to do the late hands because Jaden Daniels is putting it right on him. I mean, that yeah. was – it's what you wanted to see out of Jaden Daniels. Now, the thing that concerns me is yet again, and this is such a weird trend that I, I, I'm going to ask you, are we stuck with this trend? Jaden Daniels leads them in rushing. And, and that has just been the most perplexing thing is how they can't find a way to have a more traditional run game under Brian Kelly at LSU. Time and time again, Jaden Daniels leads them in rushing. I'm concerned mm-hmm. about that. Am I overblowing it? Yeah, I mean, again, I go back and look at the scoreboard, right? If it was, if it ended up being 17-14 and Jaden Daniels was the leading rusher, I'd be like, ugh, this, this Logan Diggs or whoever, Emory, whoever it is, is not really, you know, uh, 
running the rock the, really well, and that offensive line is not good. But when I also look at what he did to this team and ultimately what we saw offensively from LSU, I mean, LSU is the sixth highest scoring offense in college football right now, number one yeah. of the SEC. So, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to complain about that offense whatsoever right now. Um, but that's just what they are. I mean, they, they're going to be a pass-heavy team that uses his legs. He's got to learn how to get down, though. I mean, like, I remember Adrian Peterson, like, whenever he, he ran over at Oklahoma, thinking that guy's going to get injured because he doesn't know how to, like, get out of bounds. Like, Daniels needs to learn how to slide a little bit better. He keeps trying to do these, you know, keep it, keep it going moves, and, man, he, he's, he's going to get crushed one day. Yeah, I mean, I got to confess, I did not watch any of the Grambling game, but mm-hmm. both in the Florida State game and Saturday against Mississippi State, he's left his feet yeah. and he's been hit in midair. Yeah. And in the Florida State game, he got driven back down to the turf. It wasn't as bad Saturday against State, but you're you're right about that. He has got to protect himself better than that. He's far too valuable to LSU to be leaving his feet. Just slide, just get down, mm-hmm. just run out of bounds. Your offense is good enough to make up that two or three yards that you sacrifice. Now, look, if it's fourth and whatever, okay, yeah, or third and whatever. But if it's first or second down, your offense is good enough to make up the yards that you're going to sacrifice by sliding or going out of bounds. And and I think it was a huge game for Jaden because there was this dumb vocal minority, which there always is around college football, of, hey, you know, the backup quarterback, Garrett Nussmeyer, would give us a much better look, which was, listen, there's a reason why Jaden, you know, got him to Atlanta last year. Nuss was good uh, in, in kind of mop-up duty. But, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that Nussmeyer would give them a different spark, I'm glad that they've put that thing to bed over the last couple of weeks. And I'm looking forward to them playing Arkansas coming up this weekend, uh, mostly because not even Jaden Daniels in this offense, but because the defense looks like it is firing on all cylinders and on the flip side, Arkansas's offensive line just struggled. I mean, they they really had it handed to them against BYU. So that's definitely going to be an advantage that LSU is going to have this weekend. LSU, a heavy favorite in that game at mybookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at mybookie.ag. Get that sign-on bonus up to $200 for any deposit of $50 or more. And also, don't forget, they've got that parlay deal. Three-leg parlay. You hit those first two. You don't want to sweat out the third one. Cash it right out. Use that money elsewhere. At mybookie.ag, code next round when you sign up. Mybookie.ag, code next round. As always, the plays you use there can come from Lance's Lock. LT, another winning college football weekend and NFL weekend, five and one day in the NFL. Yes, sir. Hot in the NFL this past Sunday. Lance'sLock.com for all those plays. Lance'sLock.com. Daily packages, weekly packages, monthly packages, full season packages. They're at lanceslike.com. Get the winners and take them to mybookie.ag. All right. Is LSU back? They appear to be as Florida back. Huge win for Billy Napier and the Florida Gators as they host Tennessee. Tennessee never wins in that building. They play different in that building than they play anywhere else on the planet. It is definitely a mental block. I don't know why, Bernsey, because it's different coaches, different rosters, but it's a mental block, them playing at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium in the Swamp. They just do not play well there. Yeah, I want to apologize to Florida, to the Florida <laughs> fan base, to Billy Napier, to Graham Mertz, to their relatives, to whatever. Like all the descendants, descendants yes. everybody. Yes. Because, you know, I still thought that Tennessee wasn't going to lose that much from going to Hinden Hooker to Joe Milton, right? right? I really thought that this was a product of Hypel, his offense, it's plug and play. And clearly, that's not the case. And, Clearly, the fan base, I think, made a monster difference, Brownie, in that game because 
right off the bat, there was five offensive uh, penalties on that offensive line, and they look shook. You know, Milton, one of the things that was good about him all season long and why they felt comfortable with him taking over the reins is that he just didn't turn the ball over, right? It was 200-plus passes without an interception. He doesn't make the boneheaded move. And sure enough, we saw him just get crushed on that offensive line and throw the ball up for grabs. Like, it was – I'm like, what the hell was that? You know, it it wasn't forked out or anything like that. It was just a horrible play. And that got the crowd rocking even more. And I'm happy for Billy, man. You know, everybody wants microwavable success in college football right now, especially with what we're seeing with Deion Sanders being able to flip an entire roster. But that's that's the outlier, right? Normally it takes a year or two – and there were a lot of people that were tough on Billy Napier saying, oh, he's Sunbelt Billy. He'll never change. That was one of those wins you could plant your flag on going, hey, I told you, relax a little bit. The Cavalry's coming. And to beat Tennessee and not just kind of beat them, they, they whooped their ass in that first half. Um, that was really, really impressive and a, and a win the Gators needed to have. You know, um, his best win to date had been that, that opener against Utah. Yeah. I mean, his very first win against Utah. But the problem – with wins like that is they lose their luster if you don't do anything with them, and he didn't. So now yeah. this is his biggest win, and the challenge now is what you do with this win, right, is you look like a totally different team from week one out in Salt Lake to that game Saturday night in Gainesville. Is that the step forward that this program needs to get somewhere back close to what Florida football has been over the last 20 years? So it's funny. As I'm typing right now, I'm trying to look at their schedule going forward because we talked about it. All right, coming up next game, it's against Charlotte at home. That should be a win. Yep, that's an easy win. Then you go into Lexington, which you know I think they look better against Akron this week. Devin Leary looked really good. So did Ray Davis. But I would say that's a bit of a toss-up game between Florida and Kentucky. Then you are home against Vanderbilt, should be a win. Then you play South Carolina. I mean, it's not without without the realm of possibility that we're talking about a team that's sitting there at, what, 5-1 and going into the Georgia game and being ranked top 15. Now, I still think Georgia's a better squad, but – um, you know, it's it's coming together, and this is exactly what what they needed at the right time. Yeah, it, 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 they they are set up to your point to take advantage of this and make it at least going into the cocktail party at least appear that they've taken a step forward, whether they have or not. But that's yeah. life in the SEC. There's always going to be that next challenge in the Southeastern Conference where you got to go beat a Georgia, or you got to beat an LSU, or you got to beat somebody like that to prove that you truly have taken a step forward. But Tennessee was the game that they had to play. I thought Austin Armstrong, the Florida defensive coordinator, who had gotten criticized, maybe he had risen the ranks a little too quickly, bad hire by Billy Napier after that Mm -hmm. Utah game. Uh, That was a really good defensive performance by his squad. Now, tell you where it showed up the most. Not necessarily in the first half, but in that first drive of the second half, you forced Tennessee to burn off, I think it was five and a half, six minutes, use two timeouts. They scored. Yeah. But they only kicked the field goal. And it was after that, Tennessee's fighting uphill the rest of the way because they're down two timeouts. They've burned a ton of time off the clock, mm-hmm. and they only got three points out of it. I thought that was a masterful defensive drive there by Armstrong. Yeah, I'll give credit to my co-host, Chris Doring, who said, you know, he told me on Friday, he's like, dude, Florida's going to win this game. And I go, what makes you so uh, comfortable in saying that? He goes, man, he's like, I talked to Austin Armstrong, and he's like, they really feel like there are some advantages they can take up uh, with their defensive line versus Tennessee's offensive line, especially with Cooper Mays not being there, their starting center. They end up having a third-string center, and they took advantage of it. But you're, you're right in the fact of it wasn't so much as, as um, you know, causing turnovers or causing havoc it's just frustrating them you could tell that they could never get into a rhythm and especially with the amount of you know with the clocks 
not stopping any longer on yep. first downs. Like, you know, Tennessee wants to go fast, fast, fast because it's about, hey, how many times can we touch the ball? How many times, how many um, possessions we can have? It's like kind of like NBA teams now look at the analytics and they're like, we're going to shoot a bunch of three pointers. We just need to get them off. Right. Right. And they couldn't right. get the plays off. And you could tell Hypo was just frustrated every time they would show him. He's like, man, I just they could not get it going. And ultimately, that was the difference. It was definitely the difference. Now, on the other side of that game, you mentioned Hypel. Um, I, I I mean, Sunday after church, I'm out eating lunch with my family, watching the early NFL games. Uh, manager of the restaurant walks up to me and says, uh, hey, I know y'all are going to talk on the show tomorrow about Florida, Tennessee. I'm a huge Tennessee fan. I'm ready to see Nico. So that's going to be your natural reaction, right, is yeah. I'm ready to see Nico. Your alma mater comes to town for Tennessee might they do now i don't know if frank harris is he's got that toe injury the quarterback for utsa and that's a huge storyline he didn't play against army they lost the game in san antonio there yeah you know if you're josh heupel do you try the nick saban approach maybe let nico get some snaps let joe milton watch it from the sideline a little bit yeah i mean that's that that's tough because i feel like if you went with nico i don't know if there's a we're going back to milton because this would be what the third time that he's gotten benched so you need to prepare yourself that if this is going to be the way you go, like I feel like Saban, and I know we'll talk about it a little bit, can go back to Jalen Milrow. I'm not quite sure if you can go back to to Joe Milton if you make that change. Nor do I think, I, I, nor do I know if if Nico's ready. I mean, Heifel right. knows what he has um, in front of those guys. I mean, go back and look at Clemson, right? I mean, they a lot of people thought that they went down with the ship last year because they kept forcing DJ Ua Ungalale, who was clearly out of his depth and wasn't working well in that offense. And they thought they should go with Kate Klubnik um, at some point, who looked better when he got into that offense. So um, it's tough because, you know, I was a proponent of saying, listen, stop talking about Nico. Joe Milton's your guy. But there's just something that's not clicking with this offense right now. And UTSA is a sneaky good opponent. You know, a lot of people are going to look at them and go, oh, like they have two losses. I don't know anything about the road runners, but like Jeff Trailer is a coach in SOB. And I think one of the reasons why he held out Frank Harris in that game um, was, hey, if we're going to pick and choose, maybe we can beat Army with our backup quarterback. But I'd rather have the whole world paying attention if Frank comes back healthy in Rocky Top and we pull off the upset. That would be the biggest upset in UTSA football history. They could, in fact, not beat Army with their backup quarterback. That was the problem. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't the backup quarterback's fault. It's the fact that they could not stop Army that night. Army had like 45 minutes of time of possession and not a single crazy. penalty. Like they were, it was yeah. just, it was as efficient as I'd want the armed forces to be in anything they Absolutely. Like. Yes, absolutely <laughs> right. And it got Jeff, it got Monk in a contract extension. He How about just that, uh, announced huh? today, yeah, like $2 million a year. To coach a service academy, that's a pretty good gig because you don't really you don't have to deal with a whole lot of discipline issues because somebody else handles your discipline for you. Right. Uh the, the expectations, they're 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 tempered, right? I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I don't think anybody thinks you're supposed to be in the playoffs every year. And you're making two million dollars. And then the recruiting, I mean, it's you know, you're you're not just casting a wide net in recruiting, you're specifically going after guys. Look, I mean, you got to accept the fact that I'm not gonna win a national championship. Yeah. And I'm not going to play on a lot of massive stages. But if you just yeah. want to coach ball and make good money, $2 million to be the Army coach ain't bad. I mean, listen, I've always said that. And I like Clark Lee. I was really disappointed how they kind of blew that game against, um, what was it, UNLV, UNLV. this week. Because yeah. they had an opportunity to win late. Um, but I was, I always said, like, quality of life-wise could be worse to be the head coach over at Vanderbilt as well, too. Like, you're going to get paid SEC yep. money. You're living in Nashville. <clears throat> Nobody really expects you to win 10, 11 games. 
But, you know, you win six, seven, eight games and people are like, all right, man, things are rolling. And they got new facilities like, you know, quality of life is uh, extremely important. I, I would yeah. say the quality of life right now at Army is probably better than it is in Tuscaloosa. Um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the feeling around the program, we'll put it that way. <laughs> yes. I would still say Monkhead would trade spots with Nick Saban like that. <laughs> if you gave him the opportunity to do it. They, at least they probably know who their quarterback is. I mean, you know, <laughs> Monkhead's not going to have a, uh, you know, 12 hours of, uh, phone open phone lines for people to call and ask about army football. That's going to be the case about <laughs> Alabama football. Cause everybody knows how to fix it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, more on Alabama in just a little bit. It is the burnout with Peter Burns. I am Ryan Brown and you can, uh, support our sponsor, mybookie.ag code next round. When you go to mybookie.ag, get that sign on bonus with code next round, make sure you use that and they'll take great care of you there in mybookie.ag. Also roback.com. Bernsey and I use the rowback often. Great pullovers, hoodies, quarter zips, golf shirts, all that there at rowback.com. Code TNR20 at checkout to save 20% on your first order there at rowback.com. Um, real real all right, quick, did you see uh, Did you see the new rowback commercial with Ed Ogeron? I, I, I did. How good is that? He's their, uh, their acting CEO. Is that right? Yeah, the interim CEO. Yeah. And he's great because they got the rowback dog, which is famous. And there's and he's sitting there going, you know, I uh, maybe we should be a tiger, you know. And he's like, go rowbacks. <laughs> the same way as go tigers. I was like, Roma. all right, yeah. you, you take the, the guy out of Baton Rouge, you can't take the Baton Rouge out of the guy. Yeah, I mean, speaking of a good life, that guy's getting pretty good money to sit around and live his best life right now, right? Uh, I just I remember the you know the famous story about when he got let go. He was like, "How much you pay me? Uh, how much are you going to pay me? And where's yep. the door?" That's um, right. So That's right. Ogeron's living. Uh, he's doing okay. Yeah. Make sure you got the bank account right for the direct deposit. I'll see you guys whenever you need me. Yep. I'm, I'm just going to go sit on the beach somewhere. All right. Let's talk about Georgia. Georgia South Carolina was a weird, weird game. <clears throat> Fourteen to yep. three at the half. Spencer Rattler looked like an NFL quarterback in that first possession. Took South Carolina right down the field. You know. Georgia's offense was never just like awful, but it was also just never good. And I think a lot of people watch this Georgia team. They they saw this happen against UT Martin, mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, "That's UT Martin." They saw it happen against Ball State, and they're like, "That's ah, against Ball State." Let's see South Carolina. Same exact thing against South Carolina. Another slow first half start for Mike Bobo's yeah. offense. Um, at some point, this has got to be concerning. I don't I don't know that there's a team that's going to beat you on that schedule. But at some point, these slow starts have to concern you if you're a Georgia fan. Yeah, what, only 10 points so far through three yeah. games in the first quarter? I mean, that's the thing is, hey, at some point, you can't just expect to show up and out-depth chart somebody, right? Even in the regular season, you are you you know you're, you should be able to do that because it's a pretty uh, manageable schedule. But at some point, if you're going to go win your third national championship, you have to impose your will. You have to show up and go, holy crap, we got to play Georgia and now all of a sudden, like when, when Bama was at, at its best, you couldn't go piss in the first 10 minutes of the game because you're like, well, I'm going to miss two touchdowns. Like, I'm going to, it's going to be 17 nothing. And then now yep. I can just start doing laundry around the house. Like, that's not the case with Georgia. And so, but they show me something that second half. Like, they got bloodied. And all of a sudden, it was like, okay, we need to make this happen right here, right now. And so I was impressed with that. Um, and I, and in good teams and championship teams, Find a way to win where they don't have their fastball, when they don't have their good stuff. Tiger at its best was not because when Tiger Woods was winning tournaments because he was striping everything. It's when he had what he considered his C-plus game, but he was still good enough to get it around the golf course and win. And I feel like that's the case with Georgia football right now. Not having Ladd McConkie, I think, is, is a difference maker right now. The running back situation is still not quite right. 
Um, they haven't been using Brock Bauer spread out wide, which Munkin did a really good job with, and I haven't seen that a lot out of, out of Mike Bobo. But they made those changes in the second half. And that second half against a good South Carolina team might be as good of a, a half of football that we've seen all season long from an SEC team outside of what LSU did to Mississippi State in that first half. So, you know, I, I look at Georgia as almost like you, they're in a poker tournament and they're the chip leader, right? Yeah. They got all the chips. There's no sense in getting kind of crazy. They can kind of just take everything easy and pick and choose their spots where they're going to attack. But at some point, you're going to get to the final table and you're going to have to, to make some aggressive moves. They haven't been pushed to that point yet. They have not. Carson Beck, I mean, 27 of 35, 269, no touchdowns, no picks. With the way Georgia normally can run the football and play defense, those yeah. numbers are just fine. I think Kirby yeah. Smart and Mike Bobo would take those numbers every single game. Yeah, I mean, again, you're winning it based on – every time I look at Georgia, I look at it through the prison or, or the lens of – what Alabama was doing at its peak, right? That's how I compare them. And when I think of what Alabama was doing at its peak, it was they play really good defense, they're opportunistic, they play field position, and then they just wear your ass down. And that's basically been the MO for Georgia all season long right now. So um, there's different ways to win a championship. And he's more of a, listen, you, you're, you're, your roster's not better than me. My good are gonna, is are going to be better than your good. So let's just uh, play it out. Um, so, again, it's, it's still a good win for them. Um, and ultimately, I still think they're the number one team in the country and the best team, of course, in the SEC. On the other side of that, South Carolina is a team that a lot of people <clears throat> thought had some promise coming into this year. They lost the season opener in the Mayo's uh, Duke's Mayo Classic against mm. North Carolina. They come back and get a win against Furman. Now the loss to Georgia. All of a sudden, they're one and two when people thought maybe they could take a step forward in the East. There are there is a level of a concern. I think your defense has played pretty well, but you can't run the football and you can't really protect Spencer Rattler. And those continue to be massive concerns for them moving forward. Yeah, and not in, in losing Juice Wells, who was yep. an absolute difference maker, that stunk. You know, he's going to be out with a foot injury. Um, and you know, Xavier Leggett is as as big of a mismatch as you can have. And Spencer Rattler, I'll be honest with you right now, I you know, as much as I like Jaden Daniels, if you tell me that I got one game with one quarterback right now. And I've got, you know, you know, with a great squad, I'm putting Spencer Rattler probably as my QB one. I just think that he has, you know, he's taken that next step and, and he looks like the guy that we thought he was going to be seven years ago when we, you know, said that he was going to be a freshman that wins the Heisman, you know, it, it, with Lincoln Riley and that offense back up in Norman. So um, I'm impressed with him. Uh, you know, it's just that's the difference in the depth chart. Right. Yeah. That's the reason why, you know, Beamer's trying to um, recruit the hell out of that area, because it's just it's tough. You know, you're going to get worn down and you get injuries in the transfer portal. It, it just stinks. But I will tell you this. I think it was important for Georgia to see the fire that South Carolina came out with, because I don't think Georgia, that team understood what it's like to play with their hair on fire. Um, and that was a monster deal for South Carolina to come up there. Did you hear Shane Beamer, his interview at halftime? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked it, you know, because loved it. Basic, yeah, every coach basically says, uh, we're going to play like it's nothing, nothing. And Shane Beamer's like, no, let's no, play like we got to keep try to keep scoring. Yeah, because no, yeah, yeah, we whooped their ass in the first half. Yeah. We're going to continue to do it. And I don't I like, I love it. You know, I do too. Guess what? I mean, Georgia went back at him and it wasn't a, oh, you know, I bet you, he wish he didn't say that. No, I guarantee you, Shane would be the first person to say, no, I mean, they whooped us that, that half. So, 
it's, it's okay to have strong opinions in college football, right? Like, you know, I mean, Dion has shown us that with the, with the celebrity status he has. I like Shane Beamer having that fire. Like, if you can't believe in your guys that go to bat for him, like, what the hell are you taking that job for? So the question, what is Georgia? You still say best team in the SEC, yeah. uh, the team you would still vote number one in the country. Yeah, because, I, again, I, until I see a absolute crystal clear reason why you shouldn't be the number one team, if you've won back-to-back titles, you're still that way. And yeah. I still don't think that they're playing. I mean, I talked to some people in Georgia, and they were talking about how the injury report might be as long as they've ever had one yep. over there. Just guys banged up and guys just not 100%. So I don't think we've seen the the final form of Georgia football. And that's frankly still pretty scary about what they can do with, you know, a half deck of cards right now. All right. Uh, we continue on the burnout with Peter Burns. It is presented each week by mybookie.ag code next round. When you sign up at mybookie.ag, get that sign on bonus up to $200 with any deposit of $50 or more. Mybookie.ag code next round. Don't forget they've got that parlay deal where, Get those first two legs. You don't really like the way that third leg feels. You can cash out and use that money elsewhere. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. MyBookie.ag code next round. MyBookie.ag code next round. All right, coming off the narrow, narrower than most thought, win over South Florida. What is Alabama? This is a Crimson Tide team that is showing some mm-hmm. cracks and flaws that have not often, if ever, appeared in the Nick Saban era. But that's who this team is right now. What is Alabama right now to you? I mean, to me, Alabama was a team that said we're going to use South Florida as a litmus test, Yeah. right? I mean, people were surprised that Milrow wasn't the backup quarterback, and, and it made perfect sense. We talked about that going into the game and talked about it this morning before um, Nick Saban announced that it's more than likely going to be Jalen Milrow the rest of the way. This was the opponent in which you say, all right, we know what we have in Jalen Milrow, okay? Good, bad, or ugly, indifferent, whatever, we know what we have. We don't know what we have in Tyler Buckner, but we don't know what we have with Ty Simpson. Reese, Buckner was your guy. You told me to get him. Go out there. Prove yeah. it to me. He didn't. Okay? There was no spark. There was nothing. He looked lost. You had your chance, kid. Sorry. Ty Simpson looked a little better, but still shaky. And I think the whole team was waiting for someone to give him a spark, and they just never got that. So, you know, I – I look at this as this was more of a team that knew if they needed, if really were panicking, they would have put Jalen Milrow in that game, right? And 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 it just wasn't going to be the case. So um, you found out, you found out what your your who your guy is, and I think it's a great learning lesson. But now, Brownie, Tommy Reese has to go in there and say we're going to build this offense around what Jalen Milrow can do not what we want him to do. I think there's a big difference right now. I said it last week. I thought Harold Perkins and Jalen Milrow were being misused in in their respective teams. And they're asking Perkins to play linebacker. That's not what he does well. LSU changed that and look at the results. Milrow, they're asking to make a couple of more reads and kind of develop into that secondary passer. Maybe that's not a strong suit right now. But my goodness, he can move out of the pocket. So now Tommy Reese has to find a way to say, you're run first quarterback. Let's do that. More design runs, more RPOs, and let it rip. Yeah, because that'll do a lot of things. Number one, it'll mask some of the deficiencies you have in the offensive line, which they've got offensive line deficiencies in pass protection. Yeah. So that that helps there. will slow down that pass rush a little bit and help your offensive line. Number two, it'll bring those safeties a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage to support that run game, which opens up your deep passing game. 
Mm-hmm. And number three, Alabama found some good success with Jace McClellan and Roy Dale Williams running the football. Those guys are averaging just under, I think, seven yards uh, per carry this year. So they've got some they've got some guys that can run the football. And when you put the quarterback more in the run game, it's mm-hmm. only going to help the running back. So I'm with you. I think more designed runs for Jalen Milrow will fix some, not all, some of Alabama's ills in that position and, and yeah, overall I mean, on offense. Yeah, I mean, and again – that offensive line, I, I didn't think Tommy Reese, I was a little disappointed in the play calling for both quarterbacks. Yeah. And and because to me, if you're going to throw these guys out, you put them in a place to succeed. So you're going to throw a bunch of really short length passes, little pop passes, little things that they feel really comfortable, get your guys into space. And they didn't do any of that. It felt like, especially with Ty Simpson, they're running these deep route concepts where Simpson has to make a couple of reads and he's got three or four seconds to try to figure out when the, when the wide receivers were, were open and the offensive line got exposed by South Florida of all people. So, you know, again, I think that was an exploratory game for Alabama to say, Hey, is our offensive line good enough to where we trust it, you know, in, in, in longer pass route concepts, it, they don't. And can we trust either one of these quarterbacks? They can't. Let's go back to Milrow, retool it, and all, all you know, all systems go now. All right, let's uh, look at the upcoming schedule this weekend. We'll hit on some of the games uh, throughout the Southeastern Conference coming up in week number four. A reminder, all those games available at mybookie.ag, code next round. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, mybookie.ag, code next round. And also hit lanceslock.com to get some of the winners coming off another winning football weekend, including a 5-1 and one NFL day, my, uh, excuse me, lanceslock.com before going to mybookie.ag. They've got uh, daily packages at lanceslock.com. We've got weekly, monthly, season-long packages. Winners across the board. Only one losing season in the history of the site at lanceslock.com. Another winning football weekend on the way. Uh, let's just pick up right where we left off there. The 2.30 CBS game is Alabama. Ole Miss comes to town. Lane Kiffin getting the week started right, saying, I don't even think Kevin still still calling the defensive signals. Nick Saban had to open his press conference by saying, I know you've heard the rumor. Kevin Still, still our defensive coordinator. He's still calling the signals. We should expect nothing different from Lane Kiffin doing this on Alabama Week. Well, I'd like to expect something different from Lane Kiffin about, I mean, the mind games are the mind games, whatever they are. We're going to hype it up. I get it. But at some point, you have to have substance behind the hype. Remember a couple of years ago, it was the canned, um, you know, grab your popcorn. Yeah, get your popcorn. The went for all the fourth down. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was just he cost his he's cost yep. the Rebels a really good chance to win that game. Last year, he toned it down, but they still couldn't back it up. Um, and this is a year, even though it was in D-Town, we were like, you arguably have the best three quarterbacks on, on the football field, right? I mean, like, when you look at Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, and probably even Walker Howard, I might project those three to be better than anything that Alabama has right now. You've got Pete Golden, who I guarantee you is highly upset um, of that he didn't get enough love or kind of not necessarily shown the door, but move in a different direction over Alabama. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Like, if not now, when for Lane Kiffin um, to get that to, to get that victory over Nick Saban that he so badly wants, right? Like, I yep. mean, that's that's what he wants. So. Um, it's interesting. You're catching them at the right time. I just don't know, you know, how healthy Quinshawn is. And without Trey Harris, that that wide receiver for them, they look different. And I know they're trying to figure it out, but uh, that's going to be a hell of a battle in T-Town. 
It is. It has been strange, though. Lane Kiffin, one of the misunderstood things I've always said about him is everybody thinks he's just this wide-open offense, throws it all over the field. The guy's actually more dedicated to the run game than just about anybody yep. you'll see offensively. But that's where they've struggled this year. You mentioned Quinshawn Judkins' health. Mm-hmm. Whatever the case might be, he's only averaging 40, I think it's 48 yards per carry, or excuse me, uh, per, awesome. per game. Yeah. That was, yeah, that that was my like, Tecmo Bowl, Bo Jackson-type numbers back in the I'd day. I'd give it yeah. to him a lot at 48 yards per carry. 48 yards per game. This was a guy that led the conference in rushing last year. They have not been able to get that run game going against Tulane and against Georgia Tech. Alabama's played mm-hmm. pretty well defensively. Yeah, that that is that is something you gotta. I gotta see them run the football to believe they could still do it. I will say this: I was shocked that you know Vegas and my bookie and a bunch of those guys came out with a double digit um, favorite for Alabama against Old Miss. You know, I thought that number might be around six and a half or maybe even closer. But the fact that it's still double digits in, 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 from the last thing I saw, unless you, yeah, you've seen anything I, different. Yeah, I think I think that was a faulty report because I think what that was, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Michael Casagrande, AL.com, tweeted that, and a lot of people ran with it. I think that was still one of those look-ahead lines. Oh, okay. That you have limited action on. When it actually came out, to your point, Alabama was six, six-and-a-half-point favorite, depending on where you found that game. So, and it's kind of hung around a touchdown. So, Alabama about a touchdown favorite in that one, which is, to your point, that's about where you thought it would be. Yeah, and and again, how many times are you going to play the greatest coach in the history of the game in their building and only be a touchdown underdog? I yeah. I, I can't. I mean, maybe LSU, um, you know, LSU, Bama in twenty nineteen might have been kind of yeah. close to that number, but we haven't seen. Maybe LSU, Bama in twenty eleven, the game of the century, might have been close to that number, but this is quote as gettable as it is. Yep. And I mean, and Bama can shut everybody the hell up if they go in there and they route an Ole Miss squad. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, but my goodness, you know, everybody just kind of hushes if Milrow, you know, performs like we think that they do. And then you start going back and looking at it. Well, all right. So Lane had the 10 win season um, in what, 2020 or 20 or 2021. Yeah. Okay. That he went to the Sugar Bowl. Yep, yep. But like, when are, when are you going to, you know, be that next team up? Um, in Oxford. That's a big question. Uh, that is the 2.30 CBS game straight out of game day on ESPN. Auburn is at Texas A&M. Um, I'm so, fascinated. I cannot I, wait. We're, SEC Nation is going to be there. Like That yeah. is such a fascinating game. Well, it really is because the teams kind of mirrored one another. Like Auburn goes to Cal. They do not have a good performance. Fortunate to win the game at Cal. Mm-hmm. The same day, Texas A&M is in Miami. They do not have a good performance. They're not quite so fortunate. They don't win the game. Then you come back and play an inferior opponent, and it looks like you've solved all your issues. Auburn played really good defensively against a good offensive FCS team in Sanford. Peyton Thorne led the team in rushing. He threw the he did have two interceptions, but he, you know, he had a lot of yards. And then you look at uh Weigman and and uh and, and that that Texas AM offense look like mm-hmm. they fixed a lot of things against La Monroe, and you're like, you know, I know enough football to know they didn't just flip a switch and fix things. Some of that's got to be opponent related. So I'm, I'm like you, I'm fascinated to see where these teams are when they face one another. Texas A&M, also about a touchdown favorite in this game at College Station. Uh, they should be a two-touchdown favorite in, in, I agree. in my mind. Yeah, yeah because, yeah. listen, I, I think everybody is still kind of, you know, looking at the hangover the last two years for A&M. Offensively, they have not been bad. I mean, even in the Miami game, Wegman I thought was pretty solid. Uh, it was a defense that, that, that really kind of struggled. And so I, I – I don't think Hugh has his guys or his concepts 100% in and his personnel to take it to that next step. 
Um, this would be a nauseating, absolutely nauseating loss for Texas A&M in that no fan base. If Auburn under Hugh Freeze in the first year comes into your building and beats you, then you're going to sit there and go, well, wait a minute. We've been, we're on year six of this project, and this guy just parachuted in down to the plains and beat us at our own game? What the hell is that? So uh, there's no such thing as a must-win for Jimbo Fisher because it's a guaranteed contract, but it's, a, it's, it's as equally as important that victory for Jimbo Fisher as it was for Billy Napier to get that win against Tennessee at home to just make sure there's not a mass yeah. exodus as far as a fan base really supporting that team. Auburn's next three, Texas A&M, on the road, hosting Georgia, and then at LSU. This is a brutal stretch of football for Auburn. I would say yeah. we'll learn a lot about them, but you don't expect them to win any of those games. I don't, you know, maybe you do learn something about them, but it's not as if you, you've used the phrase litmus test on here today. I don't know that the next three weeks is an Auburn litmus test. Yeah. I think you assume they're going to lose those three games if they win. Any one of them, it's a it's a great surprise for an Auburn. This is a red shirt year in my yeah. mind. If you're an Auburn Tiger fan, it's I like, agree. right, let's figure out what we have, what Hugh can do with this roster, what works, what doesn't work, and 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 to me, you win any of those three, and it's gravy. And my God, if you somehow found a way to win two of those games, holy hell! Then we start thinking about like move over, you know, Deion right. Sanders. This Hugh Freeze, you know, end up being kind of a, the the focal point of, of college football. So. Um, I still like AM in that game. Saturday night, the sun will find its home in the western sky down in Baton Rouge as Arkansas comes to town. We talked some about LSU earlier, but that Arkansas BYU game, mm. um, Sam Pittman probably had some trouble sleeping. They're up 14 to nothing quickly. But then to your point, they kind of got whipped at the line of scrimmage, which is Sam's that's that's his that's his specialty. Yeah. And they lost that game to BYU at the line of scrimmage. BYU took over and they dictated the physicality of that game yeah that was tough and there's nothing more demoralizing when a team just says we're going to out physical you yep. especially a sam Pittman team especially over there um in, in fayetteville so not having rocket sanders is just brutal because you know they lost so much um mostly on the defensive side but um not having that guy he's such a robin to the batman that is kj jefferson that it forces kj to have to do almost too much and and we saw that and Again, you, you nailed it with the offensive line issues. I mean, I don't know if you could think of a worse matchup for Arkansas right now than the front seven of LSU <laughs> playing at home. And I think you said, is that a night game? A night six game? Six o'clock, six o'clock oh, ESPN. Yeah. Fully liquored up and That's hydrated right. LSU. There's a lot of, uh, it's not a lot of love lost between those two teams. That's a big rivalry game. You know, remember it's the battle for the boot. That, right. that game used to always be played around Thanksgiving. Um, so, and LSU's feeling it right now. Uh, so uh, it, this would be one of those holy hell shockers if Arkansas ended up beating LSU. I mean, I would say even bigger of an upset than when Arkansas beat LSU back in triple overtime in 2007. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. I, I LSU somewhere around a 14 point favorite in this game. So two touchdown favorite, just the way they played coming out of Starkville. They look like the best team in the conference that day coming out of Starkville. And now you got Arkansas coming off a very disappointing loss. These are the types of games where a lot of times you get in trouble uh, when you try to pair those things up. But any yeah. any normal observer says LSU is a much better team than Arkansas right now, especially to your point without Rocket Sanders. Just such an important part of that offense. Yeah, and that's why I said it's good for Florida to find out what they had when they lost to Utah in week one. I told you on this one last week, it was great for LSU to find out what the pressure points were against FSU, what they mm -hmm. can and cannot do. and 
you know, at least so far, two years in a row, Brian Kelly and that coaching staff has found out saying, oh, we suck at this. This is how we're going to fix it. And it eventually got better. We'll see if Dan Enos and, and, and Pittman can do that. All right. We'll look back at all those games next week. The burnout presented uh, by mybookie.ag. Don't forget code next round when you sign up there at mybookie.ag to get that sign-on bonus up to $200 with any deposit of $50 or more. They're in mybookie.ag. Do not forget code next round. Also, lanceslock.com to get your winners to take over there. Coming off another winning weekend in college football, including a 5-1 and one in the NFL. Lanceslock.com. That is lanceslock.com. Daily, weekly, monthly, and even season-long packages there at lanceslock.com to get all your winners there. And roback.com. Code TNR20 at checkout. Save 20% on all the fantastic apparel at roback.com. Next week, we look back at week four of the SEC season and the Ryder Cup. You and I can talk about the Ryder Cup. How about that? I, I will. I will. Here's a tease. And I don't know. I've told this story briefly, kind of edited on ESPN radio only once a couple years ago. You're going to tell I, it? I, I have the infamous um, me um, oh, crashing so into the European yeah. and USA Ryder Cup team party in 2016 that uh, I think the law of limitations or the statute of limitations has run out. So I, I'll tell that story uh, oh. here on the burnout. It is such a good story, too. Oh, yes. What a tease. I cannot wait for next week. So we'll do all of that next week on the burnout. Until then, Bernsey, have a great week. Enjoy the college football. See y'all.